The following Pharma Essentia podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only and cannot be considered as medical advice. Please speak to a healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. Josh, hello. Josh, hello instead of hello, Josh. We're mixing things up today. Gotta keep it fresh, Josh. Fine, I'll give it a shot. Kay, hello. And listeners, hello. We are back with the fourth episode of the PV Pod, Stories from the Marrow, a podcast about polycythemia vera. Brought to you by Pharma Essentia. Thanks, Pharma Essentia. Last episode, we had a great conversation with Patty, who's living with PV. And Joe, her husband and caretaker. They were absolutely lovely. And they had a lot of great suggestions about how to navigate PV, both as a patient and as a caregiver. Okay, Kay, who do we have next? First, I'd like to take us back a bit. All right, Josh, pop quiz. Oh, no. So far, we've heard a couple diagnosis stories, and we've heard this anecdote several times now. Once you get a diagnosis you're unfamiliar with, your gut reaction is usually to... Pull out the phone and look it up on the internet. And so far, we've agreed that that can be not such a great idea. Right, you can get completely overwhelmed with all the information presented to you, and it can feed into that post-diagnosis emotional spiral we talked about. Exactly. We've been giving the internet a really hard time, for sure. (laughs) What if there was a place on the internet where the focus was PV? A place developed by someone living with PV themselves? I'm listening. My name is David Wallace, and I'm the publisher of PV Reporter and uh, a patient leader in the NPN community. So David must be our guest today. Exactly. And who is David, publisher of the PV Reporter, and what is that? So David was diagnosed with PV in 2009. After he received his diagnosis, he started leaning on social media to connect him to other people with PV and to experts in the MPN community. Cool. But how does that connect to the PV Reporter? Yeah, so I was asked to write and research uh, for an article for another NPN website, and it was very well received. Now, of course, I know what an MPN is, but it might be a good idea to tell everyone else at home what it is, just in case. Great point, Josh. Go right ahead. Yeah, well, uh, okay, but ah, you're so good at it. I am, aren't I? MPN stands for myeloproliferative neoplasm, which is a group of blood cancers where the bone marrow produces too many blood cells. Great. So David was writing and researching an article for another MPN, not PV, and it went well. So then what? And so I suggested uh, we cover other topics, and it kind of fell on deaf ears. And then the publisher asked me if I would help him to tag articles on his website manually. And I told him, I said, you know, I think I can do it with software. And over the weekend, I created NPN Search, which automatically indexed his entire website So you could type in a search term and bring up articles specifically from trusted NPN sources, unlike a typical Google search. And this resource and my desire to cover NPN stories kind of became the motivation for me to give back to the community 
who had really, you know, helped me so much early on. And I decided to create PV Reporter as a kind of a patient focused resource hub. So PV Reporter is focused specifically on researching PV. Right. It's a resource hub that works as a good starting point for individual research. It's like a search engine specific to polycythemia vera, and it links you to reliable resources, specialists, support groups, and more. That's fantastic. It is. David is doing really great work in patient advocacy. That makes me curious about his road to patient advocacy, his diagnosis, his experience with PV, why he felt the community was missing this resource. One at a time. Let's start at the beginning. His diagnosis. So... I had a ton of symptoms uh, before I was diagnosed, things like uh, itching, body aches and pain, the inability to think clearly, huge fatigue. And I had those kind of symptoms for probably three or four years. And um, one night I I went out uh, with friends and when I got home, I I started to feel really badly, but it was, it was late at night and um, I didn't, didn't want to do anything at the moment, but I kind of told myself, you know, if I'm not feeling better in the morning, then I'm going to go visit the emergency room. And so when I woke up the next morning, I was still feeling very poorly And I actually ended up going to our local walk-in clinic. And on that visit, they gave me a blood test. And uh, I remember the doctor coming in and saying, I think we got a bad reading on the blood test, or perhaps we need to confirm the blood test. And if you don't mind, we would like to run another blood test on you. So they re-ran the blood test. About 10 minutes later, the doctor comes back and said, okay, this pretty much confirms uh, what we saw on the first test. And you do, in fact, have an illness called polycythemia vera. And uh, we are going to release you with the understanding that you will go to the emergency room and seek care right away went to the emergency room and uh, when I went to the emergency room they took a whole lot of tests they kept me for probably five hours and uh, I think I was there till like three in the morning the problem was I, I wasn't able to receive any treatment and then over the course of the next day I had done some research And I knew that PV required an immediate phlebotomy and my hematocrit was 69. And they had told me in the emergency room that that was the highest they had ever seen. And that meant to me that if I didn't get treatment right away, I could possibly have a heart attack or stroke. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. His hematocrit, remind me what that is again? That's the proportion of red blood cells in your blood. And David's was 69, and where should it normally be on average? Normal levels for men are usually 41 to 50 percent. Whoa, so David's hematocrit was extremely high. What did he do next? Honestly, I got the runaround from my local doctor. They didn't really understand what to do. They waited a couple days, and they did not refer me to a hematologist 
And so when I called them back after the second day, I said, you know what? I'm going to take the ball into my own hands. And I started calling hematologists right away uh, that I pulled up on the internet in my local city. And I did it with an urgency that, um, hey, here's my illness and I feel terrible. Can I come in and see you tomorrow? And finally, I was able to get an appointment the very next day. And that kind of started uh, my journey with getting treatment, getting a phlebotomy right there in the office and kind of uh, releasing a little bit of that stress of, oh, my God, I'm going to die. You know, that sort of thing. Right away, David had to start advocating for himself to get the treatment he needed. So obviously not ideal that he had to do that, but I'm really impressed with how quickly he spoke up for himself and sought out care from a specialist. He's being his own patient advocate. Yeah, we've mentioned it in the past, but just to reiterate, as a patient, you can seek out specialists to build your own healthcare team that's right for you and your needs. So David gets his diagnosis and he immediately starts advocating for himself and for his treatment plan. Does that mean he didn't really experience that initial mental health crisis after his diagnosis that we've heard from so many other patients? Unfortunately, he did. But David wants us to know that's normal. You know, it's normal to be depressed. It's normal to be angry about the situation. So to me, I think seeking help is very important. And as I've lived with PV for many years, I now suggest to new patients that I'm talking to, to look at the journey from the long haul, um, almost like a pilot looking down um, on the earth below. Try not to live in the moment, but you know, if realize that if you're just diagnosed, it's really it's difficult, but things can get better once you get started on the right treatment plan and, and try to look at the bigger picture and, and you know, a brighter future can very well be ahead. David has a great perspective now. I'm curious, though, how did he get there? What was it like for him when he was first diagnosed versus now? When I was first diagnosed, I was told it's a blood disorder. And, you know, hey, it's a good one to have if you have to have one. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, seriously, (laughs) not a good thing. And, you know, a lot of newly diagnosed patients are being told the same thing. Yeah, I can see how that would be super not helpful. I mean, you've just been told you have cancer. Right. That message, it's the good one to have. It's supposed to be comforting, but it can come across as dismissive. I talked to my doctor about the mental stress of being diagnosed with cancer, and uh, it really weighed very heavily on me early on. And he immediately referred me to a counselor who specialized in seeing oncology patients. And it was really a great help to be able to talk about my feelings and have her validate that, hey, you know, I I wasn't going crazy. Hey, we haven't talked about that yet. Mental health. I think, is so important to any period of struggle in your life. It's good to know that you can get a counselor who specializes in working with people with cancer to help you navigate this chapter of your life. Yeah, I'm really glad David mentioned that. A counselor who works in oncology can be a fantastic member of your healthcare team and your treatment plan. What else did David do to build his community of support? Early on in the course of my disease, I was very frustrated. I was depressed. 
and I sought uh, help from the online community and the online community, uh, you know, I kind of followed who are the people that are knowledgeable, who are people that are providing answers to other patients. And those are the people that I sought out for help with questions online. I found that as an extremely helpful resource. And so because of that help that I received, that was another driving force for me to create PV Reporter because I thought that I could kind of build a better mousetrap than what was out there and sort of create a one-stop shop for patients to go to to receive a lot of different resources in one place. And then also a hub, if you will, that would lead patients to other trusted resources, not just, you know, stay on PV Reporter, but go on to these other websites and learn because these are folks that I've learned from as well. It sounds like David used internet research really effectively. Yeah, he sought out trusted resources, which can be really hard to do when you're overwhelmed by your diagnosis. And he found community. Which inspired the PV reporter. He wanted to make it easier to find all of these resources. David is a fantastic example of a patient advocate. I want to talk about that. Patient advocacy, what it can be, and why it's so important. You are in luck. We are hearing from David about his expertise in patient advocacy right after this quick break. So you're learning about PV on the PV pod, Stories from the Marrow. Now get ready to take the next steps on your PV journey with What's Next PV, an educational site on everything polycythemia vera. Knowing what's next can help inform the decisions you and your doctor make about the future and is important to your health. What's Next PV can help you understand test results, set goals for the management of your PV, and make a plan to advocate for yourself. Check out www.pvbonemarrow.com to learn more. Okay, we are back and we are so excited to talk about patient advocacy. So David's patient advocacy started with his own work on his personal treatment plan and continued through the creation of the PV Reporter. So now, just to be clear, how would you define a patient advocate? A patient advocate is someone who supports patients and their loved ones as they navigate the healthcare system through communication, education, and awareness building. Well, I'm a big fan of that. And how have patient advocates like David changed things for people with PV? So I think that the advocacy groups have really worked hard to raise awareness about PV. So first of all, there are way more resources and advocacy groups today than when I was first diagnosed about 14 years ago. We've developed educational materials and resources to help uh, patients, caregivers, as well as healthcare professionals to better understand the disease. There are also support networks that have been established both online and offline. And these networks really help provide, you know, emotional support. Uh, They allow patients to share experiences and offer practical advice to the folks that are living with PV. And then social media has quite a few groups that are dedicated for PV patients. And by creating the PV Reporter, David developed a hub of patient advocacy resources. 
and it's constantly evolving. So I do social listening through various online forums, um, as well as the messages that I receive on a regular basis from fellow patients. And naturally, I follow the latest uh, research news and reports. So I decide uh, what to publish really based on what's hot or top of mind. So I'm big on sharing new information on our social media channels and via our newsletters to help provide talking points for patients with their healthcare team with the ultimate goal of improving quality of life. So when I publish a new article, I get on social media to make sure that patients are aware of our new interview and our new resources that are available to them. What a fantastic resource. Andy can use this platform to address common misconceptions about PV as well. First and most frequently, I hear that PV is a blood disorder and not a blood cancer or really a serious condition. So another one is um, PV is a disease that primarily affects the elderly. And we know that it can strike people at any age. The symptoms of PV are pretty mild and not much to worry about. I love that one. <laughs> so I address these misconceptions by interviewing NPN experts who know, you know the truth and by writing articles that help clarify these issues. If I had just received a PV diagnosis, I would find this resource so comforting. And for him to be able to help people that are in the confusing and overwhelming situation he was in, I mean, that's just got to be so rewarding. The two most rewarding things for me are receiving messages from patients who tell me that my work has changed their lives for the better. <laughs> and for me personally, being able to work full-time as an advocate, running my own business has been a life changer. I just love it when people are driven to do something to help other people, and then it becomes rewarding not just to the people they're serving, but also to themselves. That's one of the things that's so fantastic about patient advocacy, and I am so glad that David has felt that satisfaction from his work. I also like that David has been able to make this his full-time job. How does he see his job and the role of patient advocates in general evolving in the future? So I think we play a major role now in highlighting the latest research being done, helping empower patients to become their own advocate, while also advocating for quality care for all patients, you know, regardless of their socioeconomic status or race. And then in the near future, I see kind of a, a rise in leveraging technology or digital health, if you will, to reach uh, more people and provide personalized resources. And then with opt-in permissions, collecting patient reported outcomes to advocate for better care and treatments. And I would like to see our voices being heard like where, where advocacy groups have an impact in the formative stages of clinical trials and then input as to what the desired outcomes should be. Patient reported outcomes. What is that exactly? 
According to the FDA, a patient-reported outcome is a report on a patient's health that comes directly from the patient, without interpretation from clinicians or anyone else. Of course. Uh, and that's important because... Patient-reported outcomes help healthcare professionals and researchers to better understand the disease from the patient perspective, including things like symptoms, side effects, and the impact of the disease on quality of life. So this data can be used to design clinical trials to help ensure they address issues that are really important to patients. Got it. He wants to hear more directly from the patients. So what else can help? To wrap that all together, we're looking for increased collaboration between the various advocacy groups, healthcare providers, and research institutions. And I believe that that could uh, lead to more patient-centric research. And how is David feeling about the future of living with PV? Is he feeling optimistic? This is what David likes to tell community members who are just starting their research. Honestly, I'm optimistic by nature. That being said, each person's experience with PV is very unique, and it can be a really difficult disease to get under control. You know, there's always going to be challenges ahead. So I encourage patients to engage with their healthcare team to better understand their condition and what treatment options are available. And at PV Reporter, we report the latest news from trusted sources, but any information that's shared by patients is relevant to them and may help other patients relate to where they are during the course of their uh, disease journey. The future looks brighter now than ever for patients with more research being done on PV and new companies that are entering into our industry who have lots of resources and the necessary technology to help discover new and better treatments. To learn more about the disease, start at pvreporter.com and visit our advocacy partner websites to become educated on PV because there are tons of resources out there. That feels like a great button to wrap this up on. I'm really glad we got to hear from David. As a patient himself, it's really inspiring how he was able to take charge of his PV and then use his learnings to help others in the PV community through creating the PV Reporter. I'm literally on my way there right now. Wrap this up. Come on. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We are so grateful to be with you all on your journey with PV, and we will see you next time on the PV Pod. Stories from the Marrow. Thanks, Josh. You're welcome. It's not written, but I get the last word. The PV Pod Stories from the Marrow is produced by Believe Limited and Bloodstream Media and made possible thanks to our sponsor, Pharma Essentia. The PV Pod is hosted by me, Kay Vermeil, and my co-host, Josh Bragg. If you like the show, please share it with anyone for whom it might make a difference, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'll see you next time.